0: So good morning everyone from my side and uh, just one other family matter is uh, and certainly not least but to say thank you and farewell for now to Jess Elliott. Jess has been part of the worship teams and she carried us through COVID from a tech point of view. Um, and uh, Jess though has been accepted to study at Nelson Mandela Bay Metro for her second degree Um, and uh, so Jess the Lord bless you as you go and yeah we're grateful for you and uh, we know your folks are down and so travel safely it's Wednesday I think that you go but uh, yeah it's been a real privilege for us and thank you for your ministry to us we really appreciate that So the school year begins in earnest. This week was back to school for many. I heard of a mother who was trying to get some tomato sauce out of a bottle and her phone rang. And so she told her grade R just to answer the phone and she clicked on, but she didn't put it on to sort of like voice. She picked up the phone and answered it. And she heard her say, her child then turned to her and said, it's the school, mommy. And uh, and then she said, "Listen, I can't talk right now." So her daughter Julie said to whoever was the school, "My mommy can't come to the phone right now. She's hitting the bottle." (laughs) So, yeah, many of you might have felt tempted to hit the bottle until school opened. So we understand that emotion. Um, I, I heard of another first grader who went to school and handed a note to his teacher from his mother. And the note read, The opinions expressed by this child are not necessarily those of her parents. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just wondering what the start looks like for you. So, I don't know if any of you want to send a similar note to Kirk and Children's Church. It uh, <laughs> is great. So this morning we want to take some time and talk about meeting with God and shamelessly connecting that, of course, to our week of prayer and fasting. Um, meeting with God. And, and and in one sense we've just got to admit that, that the thought is controversial to some, maybe even thought of as impossible for others. I mean, there's just a lot of people who... We talk about meeting with God as the most normal thing, a beautiful thing, a natural thing. For some people, it's just almost like a a non-starter in their mind. And in one sense, we come to a reading today of someone who probably started by identifying with the non-starters. We come to Abraham. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 is living in Ur, and, uh, and it's a place where people worship the moon. And there's no sense that he had, you know, shaken off his old religion and got rid of the shackles and and, and started a new thing and was seeking God. Rather, we read something rather remarkable in Genesis 12 verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you whoever curses you will be cursed and so I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you that's quite an interruption and quite a, a first meeting quite a lot of promises and so Abraham went so Abraham went. Wow. wonder how long it took him from that encounter to that next thing. The text just doesn't give us a sense of how much processing it took him. But so Abraham went as the Lord told him. And Lot, which is his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they would accumulated, And the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. And Abraham traveled through the land. As far as the site of the great tree. Of Morah at Shechem. And at the time. The Canaanites were in the land. And then another. Seemingly remarkable. In its absence of detail. It simply says this. The Lord appeared to Abraham. Like When? You know, it was morning evening we don't know where how what did he look like abraham knew the lord had met with him and sometimes that's the main thing you know i i can tell you what i experienced but but you need to meet him the lord appeared to abraham and said to your offspring meaning literally your seed it's like 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 you carry a potential harvest inside of you abraham and that harvest to your offspring i will give this land so he built an altar there to the lord who had appeared to him and from there he went on towards the hills of east of bethel and pitched his tent and with bethel on the west and ai on the east and there he built again an altar to the lord and called on the name of the lord Then in the next chapter, we read in verse 3, from the Negev, now another place, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and where his tent had been earlier, where he had first built an altar. So he goes back to this place. And there he called on the name of the Lord. Notice that he's building this rhythm of having altars and calling to the God who has called him. And he's reaching out to the God who has already appeared to him. And then in verse eighteen, for example, I'm just showing you a pattern. Abram went on to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. And so as he moves through the land, one of the things that keeps happening is there's this pattern. He's he's longing for the God who has called him. The God who has already appeared to him is the God who he keeps building more altars to. Now, what are altars for? <laughs> altars are for sacrifice. He's offering something to God, anticipating more encounters with God. I want to just unpack some of the implications for us this morning. Number one is, God calls us to bless us and make us a blessing. Now, these so much in those first three uh, verses just of God coming to Abraham, as it were, uprooting him from Haran and from this whole wider you know, sort of like Mesopotamian community and, and moving him to the place of his choosing. But understand the fundamental purpose is that God wants to bless him and make him a blessing. He wants to, he wants to do good to him. And through him do good to others. And the reality is, is that God who calls Abraham is the God who calls us. And the God who wants to bless him and make him a blessing is the God who wants to do exactly the same to and through us. Like, turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to bless you. Okay, now the person behind you, because I'm not sure all of you said something to someone. Now, turn to them and say, and God wants to bless people through you. Okay. No, no, you must say to the person in front of you this time. Okay. (laughs) Like, really, God hasn't changed. Now, I don't know what your subconscious picture of God is. Like, when you start thinking about God. But the most remarkable thing, like when you meet Jesus or that kind of thing, is this persistent, stubborn, loving goodness of God. Like when we think of God, we want to break out in a rash. We get worried. You know, he's the policeman in the sky. He's the big judge before whom we will stand. And make no mistake, he is a judge before whom we will stand. But the most fundamental posture of God... Why would God be the judge? Because he wants goodness. (laughs) He wants righteousness. God doesn't want to punish for nothing. He wants to fix the problems that mess up his world. That's why he wants to judge things. He wants to get rid of the rubbish. Why? Because he's so fundamentally good. He's loving, faithful. Righteous in all his ways. And so Abraham encounters the God who wants to bless him and make him a blessing. But like Abraham, if we want to enter into that, we often also have to leave behind life as we know it. You see, there's been life where we haven't been a blessing. There's been life where we've tried to be our own blessing. Where we've run after things and we have not received the life that we we know is possible. And God says to him, listen, if you want this, you've got to leave your old life behind. Follow me. Lost that lot. Chuck it. And sometimes our problem is we want that blessing. And we really do want to be a blessing. We'd love it if other people sort of like felt, you know, strong and loved and whatever. It's just that we're not able to cut the apron strings to our old way of living or our present way of living. So the challenge is that we've got to learn to live for more than ourselves and our circle and our household. He's got to learn to live for something much bigger than his small circle. And like Abraham, the call of God will see us start a journey to, as the text says, a place that God wants to take us. Like you can either just stay where you are. Like, okay, I'm, I'm seriously, are we, are we all really just happy? What would keep us from wanting to go to the place that God, the good God, the blessing God, the loving God, really wants to take you? Those are good questions, aren't they? And So as Abraham obeys, he responds to God's call and he comes into the land and God appears to him. Wow, God shows up. And again, we don't know the detail. And I think it's deliberate because we try and copy the moment whereas God is infinitely creative in showing his love to us. And in one sense, we'd think, well, this is going to be so mind-blowing. But sometimes the way God shows his love to us is so remarkably every day. Yet if we've got the eyes of faith to see it, we know he has shown himself to us. So till now, Abram has been from a pagan city that worshipped the moon. And he is on a massive journey that is changing him. He's on a journey to blessing and to being a blessing. And he's learning to cut the strings of this life and meet with God. But he also learns that he needs to seek this God who has called him. That's point number two. We respond by seeking God. You see, there's this pattern, and almost every time, as you read through Abram's life, especially as he's starting to get familiar with this new land that God has taken him, he realizes that he needs to build these altars and seek God. Literally, he goes on, and 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 we're not sure exactly which name he used, because the name Yahweh kind of sort of like came later but but he's got to call on the name of the lord and he knows it's not the moon so he's not calling the moon and he's not calling jupiter and he's not calling the sun and he's not, he's calling out to god by name and then he builds this altar where he will seek to offer something to god you see an altar is a place of sacrifice and so he'd bring something to god I ask you the question this morning has has God met with you before what did he show you what did he say to you what did you what did he what did you learn about him now here's the thing Abraham learned put a marker there <laughs> make that not just a place of encounter but a, a place of response and you can go back there, even if you don't go back there physically or geographically or whatever. What you do is you, you, you put a marker there because what God, where God has met you in the past, hear this. He wants it to be a building block in your future. Where God has met you in the past, he wants that to be a building block in your future. It's not like, oh, I had that meeting. Now, now we don't live in the past. But you meant to put a marker there. you meant to have a memorial there. you meant to take some stones from the middle of the Jordan, is what, what um, Joshua did when, when, when they met God in power as he carried them across the Jordan. Why do you do this? Because you can go back there whenever you need to. Now, you don't physically go back there. You go back there in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit and you remind yourselves of the things that God showed you, that he said to you, that he gave you and the promises he made. And so Abraham learns to create and have in his life these places that remind him of what God has done because he's going to use them. And sometimes he'll travel, 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 and then he'll go back there, even physically physically. And call on God there again. Cindy and I had the privilege quite a few years ago now of traveling to California and doing the Love After Marriage course, which is, you know, people are recruiting for it now, and it's A1, and it was really awesome for us. And during that time, and some of you know the real detail of this, in a very deep and personal way, God met with us and met with me and he broke off some stuff in my life stuff done to me by others that had nevertheless opened up real harm and as he met with me there he spoke to me he showed me something of who he is Now, physically, I can't travel back to California, but what I can do spiritually is have this marker in my life. And I remind myself of what he said to me. And spiritually, I can keep living from that encounter. Not that I'm living in the past. It's not like it's that when I need it now, I go there, remind myself of that encounter. And this is what Abraham's done. He's created places that remind him of the call and the encounters of God. And he's not saying, I have to have it new every day. I just need fresh encounters with the God who's already encountered me. Does that make sense? In other words, God doesn't have to come and give you a new word every single time as if he's never spoken to you before. God will often come and remind you to rely on the things he's already given you. Now, I want to pause for a moment, but just be very practical. Our elders have urged the congregations to pray together at the beginning of the year. And we pray for our mission. We pray that we would be blessed and be a blessing. We pray about where we are. We pray what God is initiating and calling us to. We pray that we would be a harvest, that we would have seeds that would sow through the generations. And we start prayer tomorrow. Well, we already started this morning. And you've heard the detail just want to say this come as you are able if you have to scrap other meetings then then do it if you've got a pause Life group then do it whatever you do and then i want to suggest this: fast as you are able it helps you focus now that may be for some of us food for some of us what are the what are the things that would create real spiritual value if you pressed pause for a week Now, understand, of course, in an ancient society, providing food took about half your day. So if you were fasting, you suddenly had multiple hours. And, you know, it wasn't that you just went to the freezer, pulled out something and chucked it in the microwave. And five minutes later, you had your food. So where is it that if you pressed pause on something, you would release considerable time that you could give to God? So back to Abraham. Um, Genesis 15, God encounters Abraham again in a profound way during one of these nights of offering and sacrifice. And he makes a covenant with him. I'm not going to go there now. But it was just another place where there's an offering. And the last time we read of Abraham building an altar is up high on a mountain in chapter 22 when he is challenged by God about who and what is the most important thing in his life. And he is commanded to offer his only son, the son he loves, Isaac, to God. Now the nations around, they often did that to their kids. But Abraham really doesn't understand. But he trusts The New Testament tells us that he believes even in God's ability to raise the dead. Why? Because this son is the son of promise. Except at this altar, Abraham is not allowed to provide the offering. At this altar, God stops him and shows him an eternal principle. That in our relationship with God, it is the offering that God provides that saves us. In our relationship with God, it is the offering that God provides that saves us. So I'm going to ask Dave and Caro if they'll come and join me. See, that's the third point. In meeting with God, you are going to need a sacrifice. Why? Because we are simply not as good as he is. We've messed up. We've fallen short of the glory of God. Yet this good God wants to bless us and make us a blessing. This good God wants to take us on a journey and a pilgrimage. This is the God who encounters us and appears to us. This is the God who invites us to mark and remember and draw on the encounters with him. You see, this is the God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son as an offering in our place for our sins. That whoever believes in God through this Son, whoever calls on His name, and this time we know His name, His name is Jesus. And the apostles would preach, there is no other name given under heaven whereby people can be saved. This God. So loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. In other words, be subject to the power of time and death. Be subject to the power of sin. But receive instead a new power. The power of the life of the eternal ages. That the life and power of heaven enters history now in you, blesses you, saves you, forgives you, pours out mercy on you and makes you a blessing. You see, we're going to come to communion now. And we learn again at this communion about the God who loves you and wants you to know something. That you can't save yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't fix yourself. You can't even judge yourself. And you don't need to. God has come as judge. God has come as healer. God has come as redeemer. God has come in Jesus as savior. To carry sin. See, he knows what it is to carry sin. He did it on the cross. He knows what it is to suffer. He did it from birth to death. But he knows what it is to save. He has done what no other can. So I want to ask you this morning. Will you trust him? He wants to meet with you. Not just once. Not just in a sinner's prayer. He wants a life of encounter with you in which those defining promises shape the rest of your life. You get to carry them with you day in, day out, week in, week out, place from place, where you can say no matter where you are, God, I need you here, and God, I need you now. If that's in your heart, then join me at Communion. You see, we read in Luke 22 something remarkable. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. They had a table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I'll not eat of it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask those who serve in communion, just before I keep reading the passage, if they'll come up. And then I want to invite you to maybe make circles where you are. I don't know, six or eight of you. So that you're at least in community and legally if you'd like to you're allowed to take off your mask because you're about to eat and drink and this is the best restaurant in town i want to promise you that because you eat and drink that which gives life so maybe turn and make some circles So the cup and the bread i'm going to ask you to take it and just keep it you will be served um so you don't have to touch the trays and that the folk the guys serving will do that they'll come and give you the bread they'll give you the cup Amen. after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this divide it among you share it among you I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine of something made on earth until the kingdom of God comes why because when the kingdom of God comes he comes back to earth and he enjoys the goodness of what he has created and then he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body. I gave it for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. So maybe in each group, one person or two people, just pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the body of Jesus In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Abraham had covenant with God. But that covenant was a picture of a greater covenant, a new covenant that was coming. Abraham thought he would have to surrender his only son. God said no. I provide the offering that saves. So God gave his son who poured out his blood for the forgiveness of sin. This is the new covenant, the new promise, the new power in my blood, which is poured out for you. Maybe again, prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving before we drink together.
1: the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me
0: Where the wrath I deserve it is gone it is past your blood
1: has hid As endless as the sea I'll sing your hallelujah For eternity We will
0: lift up the cup And the bread we will break remembering your
1: love we were fallen
0: from grace but you took all our shame and nailed it to the cross maybe you want to stand with me mercy
1: mercy as as the sea I'll sing your
0: Abraham learnt that he couldn't save himself he also learned he didn't need to maybe for you this morning that's a new thought you always thought that because he's a good God you have to be good enough to atone for your sin and put your life right with God maybe it's news to you this morning that being right with God is a gift that God gives you because you trust in Jesus Christ So maybe if that's you, just pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that I can't save myself, that I don't need to, that you have provided the offering I can believe in and trust in and get hope from. And today is the day. Lord Jesus, I call on your name. I call on your name so that I can be saved. And if that's been you right now, I'd love you to talk with me or talk with someone there that you know follows and loves Jesus. We want to pray with you a little bit more. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be together to meet with God. Lord, we pray into this week as we do so again and again that you'll be honored and glorified because you are worthy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone.